0: Welcome to the Vibe Wednesday service experience. So tonight I'm going to be teaching. It's a teaching service. And let me say this to you. What I'm teaching you tonight is a gospel classic. Maybe that's what we should even call it. The gospel classic. Okay, it's a classic on the gospel. Okay, it's going to help you. It's going to benefit you. This is a message that I believe you can take into your future comfortably. And in the next 30, 40, 50, 60 years, this message will still be relevant. Okay? Quote me anywhere. This message will still be very relevant. All right? So, this is Gospel Classics. Or the gospel classic. It's going to bless you. So I need you to pay close attention. Glean every word. Pull out of my spirit. What you need to hear today. Alright. Until all doubt is cleared About the amazing goodness of God. Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity. To bring your word to your people tonight. I know. That it is your desire. That everyone under the sound of my voice. Walks in the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know. That you are aiding me. To bring clarity. To the truths from your word tonight. I know. That I have utterance. The utterance of the mighty. To clear all doubts. And to reveal Jesus tonight. And so bless every ear that is listening right now. Bless every heart with understanding. Let our ears be anointed to receive. Let our hearts be anointed with understanding. Let revelation knowledge flood the hearts of everyone who is listening today. Till all doubt is cleared. And until Jesus is magnified and glorified once again tonight. In the heart of everyone who is listening. Abba we give you thanks. I know you always hear me. And I thank you for hearing me even now. In Jesus holy name we declare. Amen and Amen. All glory to God. Praise the Lord. Alright so this is the gospel classic. Um, and I want us to turn our Bibles to. Jeremiah 31. And verse 3. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3 i'm reading from the new king james version it says the lord has appeared of old to me saying yes i have loved you with an everlasting love therefore with loving kindness i have drawn you i i want to bring a conversation out today and let me just quickly do it okay The conversation that I want to bring out today is a conversation that is so important and so critical. And what I want to do is to help you to see that God has designed for you to walk in victory. But please pay attention to this. God has designed for you to walk in victory. Now, the other thing I'm going to say is don't assume you know where I'm going until I land. I say that a lot because whenever you teach things that are popular or you teach on subjects that people think they know, they seem to assume that they know where you're going. So, until I land, don't assume you know where I'm going. And even if you know where I'm going, let the truth of what I'm saying penetrate your heart. Okay? Alright. So, now, here's what I'm saying. There is a, There seems to be a generation of people, now certainly not you, but there is a generation of people that have come to a place where they are looking for a manifestation of the Spirit that is greater than the love of God. People are looking for manifestations. People are looking for signs. People are looking for things. That is greater than the love of God. So here's how it works. When you start out telling people about God's love, they're like, Yeah, we know that. Tell us something else. Tell us tell us about prophecy. Tell us about visions. Tell us about revelations. Tell us about working of miracles. Tell us about faith. Tell us about word of knowledge. Tell us about this. Tell us about that. You know, so it seems to be that in fact some people say, What's the word for now? What is the Lord saying now? And if you tell them that God is saying I love you, they're going to be like, come on. Come on. You're such a weak believer. How can all that you have to say be that God is saying I love you? Come on. You know, they say give me the word for the moment. Tell me the word for now. Tell me the word for now. And the moment you tell them God says to tell you I love you, you will just see the disappointment in their faces like, really is that all that God has to say to me through you like this is all the word for now you know so there seems to be a generation not you that is downplaying the reality of the love of God and there seems to be a generation that seems to be magnifying manifestations magnifying supernatural manifestations more than the revelation of the love of god so what i want to do tonight is to bring you back to the um idea that the love of god is actually greater and i'll do that by you know putting you know side by side the love of god and all of these things okay all of these other things okay and i will help you to realize That the love of God came to you. And I'm teaching already. The love of God came to you via a vehicle. Or via a door that cannot be replicated. The love of God is the most advanced spiritual supernatural manifestation ever. The love of God is the zenith of any supernatural manifestation. The love of God is the peak of any supernatural experience. If you want to have a supernatural experience. The beginning and the peak. The height of it. Is that the that God loves you. The zenith. Of any supernatural experience. Is that God loves you. Okay. Now you. It's like God. That you start from the zenith. Then you begin to come down to. All the other things that are available. Do you understand? So. You start out from the biggest, which is God loves you, alright? And then you now begin to come down to all the other things. So what I'm going to do tonight is to tell you how the love of God became available to you as a person. How God's love became available to you. Now, the way God's love became available to you is something that cannot be replicated. And so you will be so blessed tonight. So let's start, let's start. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3, it says, the Lord has appeared of old to me. This is Jeremiah. He's a, you know, he's a fire prophet. All right. But Jeremiah had space to talk about God's love. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. So the first thing you're going to see about the love of God is that the love of God is an everlasting love. It is an everlasting love. God's love is an everlasting love. It does not say that the love of God is temporary or is temporal. It doesn't say that the love of God comes today and goes tomorrow. It doesn't say that the love of God is um it depends is is with you or you have the love of God until your next mistake. No. It is an everlasting love. The giver of this love has already determined that it is going to be everlasting, independent of you, irrespective of you, irrespective of your behavior, or your performance, or whatever. God's love is everlasting. So it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. So the nature of the love of God or the kind of love that God has loved you with is the one that is everlasting. Praise God forevermore. Then it says, therefore, it is with loving kindness that I draw you. You know, people don't understand that. God doesn't draw you with anger. He doesn't draw you with koboko. He doesn't draw you with a cane. He doesn't draw you by judgment. He doesn't draw you to himself by condemnation. He doesn't draw you to himself by retribution. All right. God draws you to himself with loving kindness. All right. so this is how jeremiah begins to unveil the father okay now here's what i want you to know number one do not downplay the love of god do not in any way downplay the love of god all right don't downplay john 3 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Don't downplay that. Do not downplay that. Don't downplay the love of God. You see, God's love is more powerful than you know. God's love is more powerful than you think. Now, why do I say that the love of God is more powerful than you think? All right. Because it is the love of God that became the passageway into the experience of God. Alright, if you're going to experience God, the passageway into the experience of God is His love. Whoo! This is so good. God's love opens up to you the experience of God. So, you will not be able to experience God if you don't know His love. So, don't ever downplay the love of God. Write this down, please. There is no supernatural manifestation that is greater than the love of God that has brought salvation to all men. I repeat, there is no supernatural manifestation that is greater than the love of God that has brought salvation to all men. You see, to experience God, God had to open up to you in, in His love so that you can come into you know the experience of God Through the doorway of his love Are you seeing what I'm saying So there is no supernatural Manifestation That is greater than the love Of God that has brought Salvation to all men Okay Now l- look at this The the ignorance The sheer ignorance of the value Of God's love Has produced weak unbelievers. The sheer ignorance of the value of our salvation has produced weak and beggarly believers. you see what I'm saying? The ignorance of the value of God's love or of the value of our salvation has produced weak believers. Now, let me tell you number one, it has produced weak believers. Write that down. Believers who are weak. Number two. It has produced ignorant believers. Number three. It has produced easily deceived believers. And number four. It has produced easily manipulatable believers. The ignorance of the value of God's love. The ignorance of the value of our salvation. Has produced weak believers. It has produced ignorant believers. It has produced easily deceived believers. And it has produced easily manipulatable believers. Now you see, these four things is what I'm going to be addressing today. I'm going to be addressing weak believers. Not you, I'm not saying you're a weak believer. I'm saying I'm going to be addressing that thing that keeps believers weak. I'm going to be addressing that thing that keeps believers ignorant. I'm going to be addressing that thing that keeps believers easily deceived, easily manipulatable, so that at the end of this teaching, you are not, you are not a weak believer. You've never been, but you, your convictions will be deeper. All right. Ignorance will fly away. Praise God. You will not be an easily deceived person and you will not be a person that is easily manipulatable. On it, when it comes to the things of God's love. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now pay attention to this. Do not, and I repeat, do not ever downplay the love of God. Don't ever downplay it. Now, I said something earlier and I'm going to say it again. But let's quickly go into scripture. I want to show you some very nice things today. That you'll be so blessed. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 24 and verse 24. Matthew chapter number 24 and verse 24. Matthew 24, 24. Look at what he says. I'm reading from the New King James. It says this. He says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Pay attention to this. This is so important. It says for false Christs and false prophets. So number one, there will be false Christs. Number two, there will be false prophets. They will rise and show great signs and great wonders. The idea behind the signs and the wonders will be to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Are, Are you paying attention to this? now you see some of you might say well mm, maybe this does not apply to me just listen first just listen it says there will be false christ and false prophets who will rise and show great signs all right and wonders to deceive so the idea of the signs and wonders will be to deceive and then it says if possible now the reason why the only reason why it will not be possible to deceive the elect will because the will be because the elect will be taught, the elect will be instructed, the elect will be indoctrinated rightly, the elect will be guided with the truth. So these false Christ will use signs and wonders to deceive many. You see, so it means that. The false Christ will not be pointing to the gospel. The false, the false Christ may deny the gospel. The false Christ will um, present themselves as real on the basis of signs and wonders. Not on the basis of the message of the gospel. So you would think they are real because there are signs and wonders accompanying what they are doing. So you will think well... They are real. Okay? But the Bible says that they will deceive many through signs and wonders. Now pay attention. If it says false Christ, it means that these are people who have denied what Christ represents. But now they have manifestations. But they've denied who Christ is and what he represents. Now you're going to be asking, how is it that they've denied Christ? And they have manifestations. Well, it is because you don't know the nature of manifestation itself. The nature of manifestations itself is that there is the real one and there is the fake. The real one is real. The fake one is manipulatable. The fake one, the thing about manifestations across board, whether spiritual, whether the real or the fake, is that it can easily be duplicated It can easily be manipulated. So the Bible says that these guys will have signs and wonders. It doesn't even say signs. It says great signs and wonders. And the aim will be to deceive. So when you see the signs and wonders, you're going to conclude that man, God is here. Wow, man, God is with them. But I want to show you certain things today that will bless you. Okay, now, take note of this. The gospel produces manifestations. But the gospel does not need manifestations for its validation. Rather that down. The gospel produces miracles. The gospel produces signs. The gospel produces wonders. But the gospel does not need miracles, signs, or wonders for its validation. The gospel does not need to be validated by miracles, signs, and wonders. The gospel does not depend on miracles, signs, and wonders for its validation or for its, um, for its truth or for its reality or for its correctness. Okay. The validity of the gospel is in the fact that Jesus died was buried, and rose again. The validity of the gospel is that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. That's what gives validation to our gospel. That's what gives validation to the message of the gospel. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The gospel produces the manifestations of the Spirit... But the gospel does not need the manifestations of the Spirit to be valid. That's the reason why Jesus was already accepted by God in the beloved before he ever performed a single miracle. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased before he even ever performed any miracle. So pay attention to this. This is very important. The validity of the gospel is, in, is found in the fact that Jesus died, was buried and he rose again. That's what gives our gospel its credibility. That's what gives our gospel its relevance. That's what gives our gospel its essence. The essence of the gospel is not found in signs and wonders. The essence of the gospel is found in the fact that Jesus died, he was buried and he rose again. I want you to take note of this because what I am saying is what the false Christ and the fake prophets deny the false Christ and the fake prophets deny that Jesus died. He was buried and he rose again. Now let's continue because I don't want to get ahead of myself. He says, if you don't understand what I have just said, if you don't understand the things that I have just said, You are going to be easily deceived by signs and wonders. Even the elect will probably fall in that trap. So let's continue. I believe that I'm laying the groundwork now. And we are getting somewhere. Let's continue. Acts chapter number 13. From verse 6 to 12. Acts chapter number 13. From verse 6 to 12. Now you see. Jesus warned us. About this false Christ and false prophets. These false Christ and false prophets. They know how to create signs and wonders. They know how to manipulate and deceive. Based on signs and wonders. I'm going somewhere with this. You will be so blessed tonight. So they know how to deceive and manipulate. Okay. And Jesus talked about them. Guess what? They were also present in the days of the apostles. They were also present doing their stuff in the days of the apostles, and I want us to look at that for a bit. Acts 13 from verse 6. It says, Now, when they had gone through the island, the island, the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet. You see that? A false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bad Jesus. So This is a false prophet. You can already see. he's a false prophet. He is a sorcerer. Okay. Now of course. He will have signs and wonders. But he was a false prophet. Now let's continue. Who was with the proconsul? Sergius. Paulus. An intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul. And sought to hear the word of God. So how do you detect the fake um, prophets? I'll will show you in a bit. Don't worry, we are going somewhere. Just just cheer, okay? This man that who who is the man? The proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. He called for Pan, Barnabas and Saul because he sought to hear the word of God. You see, so this proconsul wanted to hear the word of God. But verse eight. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for his for so his name was translated, we stood then seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, looked intently at him and said, Oh fool of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness. Will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? So there are many things to get out of here. But I'm going to be very fast. I want to be very fast because this is a teaching. And I want to be very fast. There are many things to get out of here. The first thing that we see about the false Christ or the false prophets or these people is that they, they make sure to block people from hearing the word of truth. From hearing the word of his grace. You will never find the word of God's grace in their mouth. You will never find the truth in their mouth. You see, that's how to identify the false Christ. Alright, they try to turn people away from the faith. Alright, and Peter rebuked him very strongly. Okay, he says, why are you son of the devil trying to pervert the straight ways of the Lord? So, what does he tell you? the false christ will always want to pervert the straight gospel simple gospel believe to receive false christ want to turn it around false christ want to add something to it false christ want to say you're not worthy enough until you do this and you do that and you do this and you do that these are what they do Something that is simple and straightforward. They want to complicate it. They want to make it look difficult. They want to make it look hard. They want to make it look like only them can understand it. Or only them can receive it. The Bible calls them false Christ. Now Paul withstood this guy and called him a devil. He called him an enemy of righteousness. Now let's continue. It says, and now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you. And you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him. And he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the poor counsel, you see, then the proconsul believed when he saw what had, hap- what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Listen, he saw what had been done to the sorcerer, but he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So what amazed him was the teaching of the gospel. He believed further when he saw what had happened to the proconsul. But it was not the what happened to the proconsul that made him believe. He believed and was amazed and astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So it was the teaching and the preaching of the gospel that made him to believe. Now look at this. Let me explain this to you. So, all of a sudden, the proconsul is out of the way. And then, now, this guy, who the proconsul was blocking from receiving the gospel, could now easily receive the gospel. Now, please pay attention to this. It seems to me that Paul was a gracious man, but he had no patience with anyone who tried to stop people from hearing the truth of the gospel. I mean, for this one, he called down blindness immediately. Now listen, this is not the same as Peter. Peter was a legal guy in his mind. Peter was a legalistic person. Peter did not give Ananias and Sapphira any room to repent. or I mean, there was no, it was judgment instantly. You see, but in Paul's case, it was not believers that Paul, you know, because Ananias and Sapphira, they were believers. Paul did not rain judgment on believers. Paul reigned judgment on sorcerers. People who were trying to block people from receiving the gospel. People who were trying to block people from receiving the truth of the gospel. People who were trying to complicate simple message, the simple message of God's amazing grace. So how do you identify a false guy? They can have all the signs and all the wonders and all the miracles, but if they deny The truth of the gospel. If they do not give room for the teaching of God's word. Because listen. What should amaze you as a believer. Is not miracles. What you should be astonished about. Is the unveiling of scripture. It is the unveiling of the truth of the word. That should make you astonished. You should be astonished at how amazing God's grace is. More than you are astonished that a blind eye is opened. I've taught this several times and I'll keep teaching it. And I believe God that it will stick in your heart so that you don't get deceived. You see, that's the same way Jesus sent people out in twos to go and preach the gospel. When they came back, they were dancing and rejoicing that even the demons were subject to them. And Jesus called them to order and said, no, 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 no. You're not supposed to be. You have misplaced priority here. You have misplaced rejoicing here. You're not supposed to be rejoicing. That the demons were subject to you. Why? Because they should be subject to you. Rather, rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. In other words, rejoice that you have a higher calling. That you have a higher connection. That you are joined to the Lord. That's what should make you rejoice. If you rejoice in that. Now, how do you know that you are joined to the Lord? You know that you are joined to the Lord through accurate teaching. So, the believer is supposed to be more astonished at the revelation of the gospel. Like, wow, so this is who I am. Wow, than they are astonished at a lame person walking. You see, the reason why many believers don't see miracles easily is because they exalt it. They magnify it more than salvation. They magnify it more than redemption. If you put salvation in its place, And you put manifestations in their place. You would see how easy it is to heal the sick. You see how easy it is to receive manifestations of the spirit. Praise God. Are you are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Can you hear what I'm saying? Glory to God forevermore. So we see what was happening here. Paul quickly took this guy out. You know, you are trying to stop somebody from receiving the faith. Paul, you know, just brought blindness on the guy. Now, this was not a believer. He was a sorcerer trying to prevent people from receiving the gospel. Paul just proclaimed judgment on him. This is the only time that Paul, Paul in quote, proclaimed judgment on somebody. And it wasn't even that he should die. It was that, hey, be busy with blindness. Be busy dealing with blindness so that I can preach the gospel to this guy, to this, you know, um, chieftain. Now, guess what? It's like, it's like an ambassador. The, the guy that Paul wanted to bring the gospel to was an influential person. And I'm sure Paul must have thought, if this guy gets the gospel, everybody who is following him, you know, will also receive the gospel. So this guy wants to come and put, you know, stuff into my, into my, my, into this opportunity. He quickly sent him away blind so that he can preach the gospel. So now we can see the first picture, you know, Jesus said, be careful. That you are not deceived by people who are able to produce signs and wonders. That you are not deceived by them. We see that Jesus mentioned that. That even the elect will be deceived. And then Paul comes to begin to show us that man, it was not only available in Jesus' day, it was available in Paul's day. Write this down. God's wisdom provided a redemption plan that no man can replicate by performance. So that your faith is consistently in him. Let me say that again. God's wisdom provided a redemption plan. That no man can replicate by performance. So that your faith is constantly and consistently in him. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now listen to this. You see. A blind eyes is easily manipulatable. To open a blind eyes, Anybody can do it. You know. Any performance can cause a cripple to walk. Any man's performance. it doesn't have to be a Christian. Any man's performance can cause the deaf ear to open. But write this down. Write this down. I want you to take note of it. God's wisdom. Provided a redemption plan. That no man can replicate by performance. So that your faith is constantly in him. And not in your performance. You see what I'm saying? Your faith should rest in Jesus. In his death, burial and resurrection. And not in your performance. That's why God's wisdom created a redemption plan. That cannot be replicated by by performance. In other words, no matter how much you perform. You cannot replicate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. No matter how hard you perform, you cannot bring Jesus down from heaven, and you could not raise Jesus up from the dead. Only God could bring Jesus down from heaven, and only God could raise Jesus up from the dead. Now, right, see, listen, listen to this your salvation either depends on on something that you can do okay your salvation either depends on something a man can replicate or on something that no man can replicate your salvation either depends on something that a man can replicate or on something that no man can replicate so you your your salvation either depends on a miracle that men men can replicate or the miracle that no man can replicate you choose so what does your salvation depend on does it depend on human performance does it depend on human creatable human conjured manifestations or does it depend on a supernatural truth that cannot be that cannot be replicated your salvation Either depends on something a man can replicate or on something that no man can replicate. Okay? So, now let's go to another, another text. The book of Acts, chapter number 19. Hi, you'll be so blessed today by the time you are done. Eh? See, by the time we are done today, all of you will go and buy big, big goats. And you say, P.O.D. Thank you, big goats. Thank you, POD. Thank you, Kai. Thank you. All right. Acts 19, from verse 13. The book of Acts, chapter number 19, from verse 13. Let's read this one very quickly. Now, look at this. This is going to bless you so much. It says, Then some itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves, to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. Saying, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva. A Jewish chief priest who did so. Verse 15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know. But who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was. Leaped on them. Overpowered them. And prevailed against them. So that they fled out of the house. Naked and wounded. Now pause for a minute. This particular scripture has been used to torment a lot of believers. Down through the years. This particular scripture. Has been used to torment a lot of believers. You know. Just imagine the preacher saying, are you one of the seven sons of Sceva? That they will say to you, Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? Are you one of the seven sons of Sceva? Better don't go and stand before, you know, an evil spirit with sin in your life or with this in your life. You know, so this scripture has been used to torment a lot of believers. And it's so bad because so many believers are now living in fear. They're living in torment. And what if, what if this, you know, what if something just disgraces me? Now, it may not be evil spirit. It might be a sickness. It might be a disease. It might be um something that just embarrasses you. And then the question will now be, were you truly saved? Are you truly born again? Because this thing that is attacking you, Jesus, he knows. Paul he knows who are you but you see if you read the text in context one thing you will notice is that these guys were not believers oh thank you precious holy spirit when jesus sent these disciples out who had believed in him when he sent them out they came back saying that the demons were subject to them did you not read that in your bible now, are you telling me that all the disciples were all good people? Are you telling me that all the disciples were, 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 were good people? They never did anything wrong. Do you know that Judas was part of the disciples? Judas was still stealing church money, but Judas was part of the disciples that God sent out that demons responded to. Ah, church folks must have the wisdom of God in the name of Jesus. Church people must have God's wisdom in the name of Jesus. Do you know that Judas was part of the people that went out when Jesus sent them? Alright, and the demons were subject to him as well. You know, Judas was not doing shadow boxing with demons. As soon as they saw him, they left. Judas was one of those that the demons responded to. You see, but he was a thief. Yet, demons responded to him. He saw Jesus, his master. Yet, he was one of those who went out with all the other disciples. And the demons were subject to him. So now, when you come here now, you realize, if you look at the text in context, that these were Jewish exorcists. They were sorcerers, like the other guys. They were sorcerers. They were people who go about doing fake signs and fake wonders. There were people who went about doing fake signs. They were not believers in Jesus. They were, they were exorcists. And the several sons of Sceva were also false prophets. They were exorcists. They were not believers in Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying church? They were not believers in Christ. They were, you know, people who believed in sorcery. So they went out and Sadly, maybe on other days, they used to have their way because I'll soon show you in my next text, I'll show you that sorcery was a way of money. It was a a trade. It was a business for them. It was a way of money for them. Okay? So these guys were making money. It, It just so happened that on this day, they met something that was greater than their power. Something that was greater than what they had. And they were embarrassed. Then all of a sudden... They use this same scripture to talk to believers. To weaken them. To make them feel incapacitated. They say, "Huh? the devil is going to say, Peter I know, Paul I know, Jesus I know, who are you? The devil cannot tell me who am I. He cannot tell me who am I. Satan cannot tell me who am I. He cannot, he does not tell me who are you. Do you understand? He cannot. These were not believers. They were sorcerers. They were magicians. They were not even saved at all. You understand? They were trying to cast out a demon. You know. And sadly the thing backfired on them. It is this same scripture. That has been used to taunt believers. Down through the years. To make it look like. You know Paul was in a class. That you are not in. That Paul was in a class that you can never attain. As though Paul was in a class that you can never you know, um, attain. Yet, the same Paul says in, in, in his writings that we are seated together with him. The same Paul says in his writings that as he is, so are we. You understand? The same scripture says it. That we are seated together with him. You understand? In heavenly places. The same Paul talked about you being in Christ and Christ being in you. The same Paul talked about you being joined to the Lord. Paul was not describing the sorcerers. They don't have a part, a part in your inheritance. They don't have a part in your inheritance. They don't have a part in your righteousness. They don't have a part in your salvation. But guess what brothers and sisters. You are not on the level of a sorcerer. For anybody to ask you. Satan will ask you who are you. He will reduce you to somebody being like a sorcerer. But the devil is a liar. Satan cannot ask you who you are. You know to make it look as though Paul was in a class. That you can never attain. Jesus was in a class that you can never attain. Meanwhile, the same Jesus said, I and my father are one. And you are one with me. And I want you to be one. All right, Because we are all one together. The same Jesus said so. He said as he is, so are we in this world. The same Jesus said that I want you to come into God. God in you. And so that as the father has loved me, so he will love you. Jesus was equating you to himself. And somebody will come to tell you. You are not on Paul's level. The devil is a liar. We are all seated together with him. We and Paul are seated together with him. Do you understand? So Satan cannot ask me who am I. Because if, if he knew Paul. Alright. Then he has known me. Because we are both seated in Christ. If Satan says Paul I know. Jesus I know. Who are you? He's crazy. Why? Because if he knows Paul, then he must have known me. Because what brought Paul in was faith in Christ. What brought me in was faith in Christ. What made Paul to be seated together with him is faith in Christ. What has made me to be seated together with him is faith in Christ. What gave Paul his authority is faith in Christ. What has given me my authority is faith in Christ. So Satan cannot ask me who are you. He dares not ask me, "Who are you?" He dares not ask me, "Who are you?" But guess what? They have used this scripture to 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 torment a lot of believers, to make them feel unworthy, to make them feel as though you know they they, they can never measure up to Paul's level, to make them feel as though you ha huh, you've not finished growing. You want to go and cast out devils. You, you've not finished growing. You want to go and heal the sick. Meanwhile, that casting out devils is for children. Is the children's crumbs, crumbs, crumbs to cast out devils. Is the crumbs. It's not even the bread. It is the crumbs. The bread is that you have the life of God in you. The crumbs is that you're able to cast out sickness, cast out disease. But the bread itself is that as they see you coming, the way they saw Jesus coming and the demons cried out and said, what have we to do with you? that son of David. That's the same way when they see you coming. They cry out. That's the bread. So, you're about to, let's say you're about to, let's say, you know, some people are fetish in, in the place where you do business and you're about to pray. And the moment you start to try to pray or make declarations, something will now come to your, heart, your mind and say, hmm, who do you think you are that you want to Despair, this darkness that is in this place Who do you think you are Well next time that voice comes to you Tell them you are seated together with him Tell them you are in Christ Tell them that as Jesus is Powerful so are you powerful As Jesus is full of glory So are you full of glory As Satan cannot touch Jesus So Satan cannot touch you Praise God forevermore So we see that falsehood there again They wanted to perform a miracle, but he backfired on them. They wanted to do a sign. This time around, he backfired on them. That's to tell you that you don't use signs. You don't use manifestations as a measure of who you are in Christ. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. Praise God forevermore. I hope I've made that case very clear. Let's go to another one. The book of Acts, chapter number eight. From verse 9. Acts chapter number 8. Are you being blessed? Acts chapter number 8 from verse 9. I don't have the time to finish reading that text. Okay. So because we have to move on. Acts chapter number 8 from verse 9. Let's read verse 9. The New King James. It says, But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria. Claiming that he was someone great, I want us to read this, all right, from the NIV. Let's read this particular scripture now from the NIV. Please make eye contact with the Word of God. Very important. Otherwise, it will look as though what I'm saying is gibberish. The Book of Acts, chapter number, 9, chapter eight, and verse nine. Look at this. It says, "Now, for some time, a man named Simon." had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of samaria he boasted that he was someone great so look at this all right people were amazed at his sorcery people were amazed at his sorcery meaning this guy had so much ability to do sorcery that he made people to be amazed And he even called himself someone great. You see, Jesus said it. That be careful. Look, there will be false Christ. There will be false prophets. See that you are not deceived. Because they will have signs. They will have wonders. But see that you are not deceived. So this guy had sorcery. He had his sorcery going on. And people were amazed at his sorcery. Alright? So now, notice something. They were amazed at the sorcery. They were not amazed at the gospel. They were amazed at the sorcery. They were not amazed at the gospel. You see that the, the the hope has migrated. It has shifted. But let's continue. And all the people, both high and low, gave their attention, gave him their attention, and exclaimed, "This man is rightly called the great. Is is rightly called the great power of God." They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Simon himself believed and he was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they might receive the Holy Ghost because the Holy Spirit had not come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 17. Then Peter and John placed their hand on them. And they received the Holy Ghost. Now look at verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Ghost. And then Peter said, Peter answered and said, May your money perish with you. Because you thought that you could buy the gift of God with money. Now, See the conversation. Simon the sorcerer was in a city. He was amazing bamboozling them with his sorcery until a greater one came, Philip. Philip came not with sorcery. Philip came with the message of the gospel. And when Philip came with the message of the gospel, the Bible says they all believed. Simon himself believed and became saved. Then when he saw that the Holy Ghost came upon people, he asked to pay money to receive the Holy Ghost because that was what he knew. That was the business he knew. He was in the business of exchanging money. That is, people would pay him to produce, you know, um, um, miracles or to do manifestations. So even when he was saved, he was still thinking business. He was still thinking about the money he was going to get, you know, to wow people. He was still a sorcerer in his mind, even though he has accepted Jesus. But he was still a sorcerer in his mind. So he was still thinking about the money he was going to collect to wow people. And to, you know, move people over. Because when he does that, he knows they will pay him. Now Peter said, your money perish with you. Because you think that the things of God can be purchased with money. So, this is falsehood again. Now, notice that falsehood is never bereft of manifestations. Oh boy, please write this down, please. False teachers and sorcerers, they are never bereft of manifestations. False teachers and sorcerers are always bereft of the message so they were amazed at the sorcery of simon they were not amazed at the gospel god wants you to be amazed at the gospel and stay amazed at the gospel not at signs or wonders god wants you to be amazed not at manifestations he wants you to be amazed at the gospel he wants you to stay amazed at the gospel you can see that what peter brought to the table was not a higher manifestation he brought the message of the kingdom and then when he brought the message of the kingdom all right you know there was the release of the outpouring of the holy spirit that simon the tanner wanted to buy with money (laughs) because for him he was still merchandise it was still investment. Let me quickly buy this thing so that I can go and make more money with it. So false teachers and sorcerers, they are never bereft of manifestations. They are always bereft of the message. Now the Bible says that we should, we should stay amazed at the gospel because these signs shall follow them that believe. Now when you hear these signs shall follow them that believe. It tells you that believing is greater than signs. Believe what? Believe in the gospel is greater than signs of the gospel. Believing in the gospel is greater than any manifestation whatsoever. Write this down. The message validates the manifestation. The manifestation does not and should not validate the message. I repeat, the message of the gospel is what validates the manifestation. The manifestations does not and should not validate the message. So this guy had manifestations, but he did not have the message. So how do you know falsehood? Anything that, that exalts the manifestations of the spirit or the manifestations of signs above the message, the message that Christ died, was buried, and rose again. Anything that, that exalts manifestations of miracles and healing and provision above the finished work of Jesus is false. Is false. Anything that tells you to bring money to receive what God has done for you in Christ Jesus is false. 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 When God is not Amadioha. You understand? Look, any God that, that waits for you to sow a seed before he can bless you, now juju be that. Not be juju be that. now juju be that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Any god that waits, you know, that is driven on the back of manifestations. now juju be that. The message validates the manifestation. The manifestation does not and should not validate the message. Alright, let's keep going. I have a couple more things to show you, so bear with me tonight. Okay? I have just a few more things to show you, and then I'll be done. Let's look at a few more. Act 16. From verse 16. I want to drink some water. Okay? Alright, Acts 16 from verse 16 He says once, I'm reading from let's read from the New King James now Acts 16 from verse 16, It says Now it happened, as we went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit, please pay Look at scripture, look at scripture, look at the word. Make eye contact with the word. Who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling? This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. Thank you very much. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. Verse 19. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Are you reading what I'm reading here? Are you reading what I'm reading here? Number one, this girl... Was a fortune teller. Number two. She was saying the right things now. Like she was saying these men are men of God. What's was wrong with that? But she was saying it. With the spirit of divination. She was saying it with the spirit of divination. And she was bringing profit to her masters. To her owners. And when Paul cast out the devil. That was in her. Her masters became angry. So can you see that you can never judge, you know, accuracy based on manifestations. You can never judge validity based on manifestations. I'm teaching you now so that you know these things. You can never judge validity based on manifestations. Manifestation is not the basis for validity. This girl was in... The marketplace. And she was saying the right thing. These are men of God. These are men of God. And she did that for many days, bringing profits to her owners. And the Bible says, Paul turned and was angry and rebuked and delivered that immediately. And then the, the, the owners became angry. He got angry. So you see, if you are that person, that is constantly looking for manifestations. Before you know the presence of God is in a place, you are looking for manifestations, outpouring, outpouring, manifestations, this, that, that, that. That's what, that's what tells you that God is in a place. You don't know who you are. You are ignorant. And that thing is only going to make you weak. You're going to fall for, for every manipulation. You're going to fall for every deception. You're going to fall for every activity of the enemy. Do you understand? Paul did not have time to, 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 you know, to entertain that rubbish. He just delivered the lady quickly and got everybody angry in that process. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So she was bringing profits to her masters through fortune telling and divination. And that's what you see many, in many places today. So remember what I said. The message validates the manifestation. The manifestation does not validate the message. So if you see great manifestations, this one, that one, but the message is wrong. Run no, run no na juju be that. Run. If you see great manifestations, things happening and then the message is faulty. Baba, run. Run no. Because a person can have great fortune telling ability. They can, they can read card when they are not carried card readers. They can read your card. They can read your palm. They can tell you your address. They can tell you. That's the idea of fortune telling now. Because this girl, for example, nobody told her that these were men of God. She knew from her false divination spirit. So you go in front of those guys. They are able to tell the color of your, of your, of your teeth. They they are able to tell the color of this. They are able to tell where you live. They are able to tell the village where you are from. They are able to read your card. They will read the the numbers on your ATM card. And they say one thing. Say another. There is no problem with all of that. The Holy Ghost can do that. But guess what? What validates all those manifestations? Is the message. The message. The message. So if the message is faulty, forget it. If the message is wrong, forget it. So now that you have seen that there are many falsehoods. Now you see all these things that these girls, all these sorcerers who are doing, can be replicated, easily replicated. Anybody can do it. You self, there are some people if you go and, if you go and wash face very well, you too, you will see card. But guess what brothers and sisters we have something that is higher we are in Christ so even man who is not he a divi- who has the spirit of divination can see how much more you and I so now that you've seen all of these things let's now answer what is the gospel I want to give you you know I gave you a definition some weeks ago I want to give you another definition today what is the gospel? Turn your Bibles to Titus 2 from verse 11 to 12. We'll read three scriptures at once and I would be done. Alright, we'll read three scriptures at once and I am done. Titus 2, 11 to 12. Are you being blessed? Titus 2, 11 and 12. Glory to God. Now it says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So the grace of God. That brings salvation. Has appeared to all men. The grace of God. That brings salvation. Has appeared to all men. Alright so. One thing is important. Number one the grace of God. Number two that brings salvation. Number three has appeared to all men. Not a few men. Not most men. Not some men. All men. All men! Now, let's look at Titus 3, 4 to 5. Titus 3, 4 to 5. Alright, it says, Titus 3, 4 to 5. It says, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared towards men. When the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared. Verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy. He saved us through the washing of regeneration. And the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So pay attention. Put the two scriptures together. Alright. The love and kindness of God. That has appeared to all men. Titus 2.11 says. For the grace of God that brings salvation. Has appeared to all men. What is the grace of God? The love and kindness of God our savior has appeared to all men. So if you put the two scriptures together, you would realize that the gospel, listen to this, the gospel is the grace of God, which is the love and kindness of God or the kindness and love of God that has appeared to all men to bring salvation. The love and kindness of God That brings salvation. That is the grace of God. So you cannot talk about the grace of God. Without talking about the love and the kindness of God. This is greater than any manifestation. Now let's look. Now listen to this. No man. No man can replicate what it took. To bring the love and kindness that appeared to us. No man can replicate it. Now listen, it says the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The love and kindness of God has appeared to all men. Now, when he appeared, what did he do? Look at it. First Corinthians chapter number 15 from verse 1 to 4. That's my last scripture. And then I'll just quickly give you the definition and then we'll go. First Corinthians 15. Oh, I've done well today. I'm almost done. You know, I've preached in good time, record time. First Corinthians 15 from verse 1. Now let's look at this. It says, moreover brethren, I declare to you the gospel. So we saw the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All right. What is the grace of God? The love and the kindness of God has appeared to all men. Now, Paul is now saying in First Corinthians 15 and verse 1. Moreover brethren I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you Which also you have received in which you stand By which also you are saved If you hold fast that word which which I preach to you Unless you have believed in vain Verse 3 For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received Number 1 That Christ died for our sins. That is the gospel. So when the grace of God appeared to all men, he came to die for our sins. When the love and kindness of God appeared to all men, it was to die for our sins. That Christ died for our sins according to scriptures. Number four. And that he was buried according to scriptures. And that he rose again on the third day according to scriptures. And that he was seen by the twelve according to scriptures. Do you see? So what is the gospel? Okay? What is the gospel? Christ died for our sins. He was buried for our sins. And he rose again. He died for our sins. He was buried. And he rose again for our justification. That is the gospel. So any spirit that denies the message of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is false. Any manifestation that is not based on the message of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, that is false. The gospel does not need validation. The gospel itself is valid. In that Christ died, was buried, and rose again. That is the gospel. Now, brothers and sisters, this truth cannot be replicated by any human activity, or by any human performance, or by any human um, um, conjuring, or by any human divination. Nobody can divine, divine. Nobody can divinate, divinate, and go and make Christ to die, buried, and rise again. No, nobody can do that so we can see that we if you put titus 2 11 and 12 titus 3 4 to 5 and first corinthians 15 1 to 4 if you put everything together you see that the grace of god has appeared to all men and the grace of god is the love and kindness of god that has appeared to all men and when he appeared what did he come to do to die for our sins according to scripture to be buried for for you know according to scripture and to be risen again According to scripture. So now let me give you the definition of the gospel. Write this down. The gospel is the story of the love and kindness of God. Demonstrated in the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. Bringing all who believe into union with the life of God. Which is eternal. Righteous holy and blameless. I want to repeat that. I want to repeat that. The gospel is the story of the love and kindness of God demonstrated in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, bringing all who believe into union with the life of God, which is eternal. Holy and blameless. I don't have time to explain this definition to you. I'll probably explain it to you on Sunday. The gospel. I want to say it again. The gospel is a story. Of the love and kindness of God. Demonstrated. In the death. Burial and resurrection of Jesus. Bringing all who believe. Into union with the life of God. This life of God is eternal. Righteous. Holy and blameless. I believe you've got it now. Alright. And I'll say it the last time. So that everybody gets it. The gospel. Is the story. Of the love. And kindness of God. Demonstrated. In the death. Burial. And resurrection. Of Jesus. Bringing all who believe. Into union. With the life of God. Which is eternal. Righteous, holy, and blameless. You see, that is the gospel. Praise God forevermore. That is the gospel. So listen to this. You cannot trust any manifestation that flows out of a faulty message. You should not trust any manifestation that flows out of a faulty message. If the message is faulty, chances are, the manifestations are false. Now you who is in Christ, who has come to know these truths, manifestations are easy now. You see, it is, it is the wrong understanding of this that has weakened a lot of believers. So what, what do believers do? What do some believers do? They exalt healing above salvation. They exalt provision above salvation. They exalt miracles above the love and the kindness of God that has brought salvation to you. What can be greater than the union that you have with Christ? What can be greater than the fact that you are united with the Lord? What can be more powerful? What kind of power is more powerful than the truth that you are united with the Lord? How can you disqualify yourself from from healing the sick when God has qualified you enough? To be joined to the Lord. How can you disqualify yourself from prophesying? How can you disqualify yourself from word of knowledge? How can you disqualify yourself from word of wisdom? How can you disqualify yourself from the workings of miracles? How can you disqualify yourself from being able to heal the sick? When God has qualified you enough to be joined to the Lord in salvation. To be joined to the Lord as a present reality. You see, our being joined to the Lord is not a future hope. It's a present reality. Our being joined to the Lord is not a future hope. It's a present reality. And Brothers and sisters, you can never place, you know, making the lame walk above the fact that you are in Christ and you have salvation. You see, now, if you make manifestations greater than your salvation, then manifestations will be difficult to to get. It will be difficult to enjoy. But you see, if you place salvation above manifestations, then guess what? Manifestations will be easy to enjoy, will be easy to receive, will be easy to experience. So brothers and sisters, you are in Christ. You have come home. I always use the description of You have access to your house. Alright? The rooms are part of the house. The rooms are not greater than the house. The rooms are part of the house. If you've come into the house, you have come into the rooms. So, coming into the house is receiving salvation in Christ. It then means opening blind eyes is easy for us. If sorcerers can produce manifestations, we have something better. We have a valid message and valid manifestations. We don't deny manifestations. No. We, we proclaim the message of the gospel. Then the manifestations follow. We are not under performance pressure to produce manifestations. No. We proclaim freely the message of the gospel. And the manifestations follow. So the message validates the manifestation. The manifestations do not validate our message. You are not powerful because you opened a blind eyes. Oh, thank you dear Lord Jesus. You are powerful because you have believed the gospel. You are not powerful because you made the deaf to hear. You are powerful because you have believed the gospel. You are not powerful because the dumb spoke in your meeting. No, that's not what makes you a powerful Minister of the gospel what makes you a powerful minister of the gospel is that you have believed the gospel listen Listen the Bible calls you an able minister of the new covenant So what makes you able is not miracles what makes you able is the message? What makes you able is not healing what makes you able is that you have received the ministry of reconciliation? You are able because God has given to you the ministry of reconciliation. You are powerful because you have believed the message of the gospel. You are powerful because you have believed the gospel. You are powerful because you have believed the gospel. Hey, Kilabarush Abarush, You are powerful simply because you have believed the gospel. And it is out of this truth that all manifestations will flow. Give him thanks tonight. Give him thanks. Give him praise tonight. Give him thanks. Thank him for the love of God. That is the doorway into your salvation. That is the doorway into every manifestation. Thank him that you are not downplaying his love. Thank him that because without his love, there would have been no manifestation. But thank God for his love. It is his love that has brought us into the manifestations of the Spirit. It is the love of God that has brought us into the manifestations of the Spirit. So right now, no believer under the sound of my voice is a weakling. No believer under the sound of my voice is weak. No believer under the sound of my voice is ignorant. No believer under the sound of my voice is deceivable. No believer under the sound of my voice is manipulatable. Why? Because you have come into Christ and you have received redemption. Jesus died for you. Jesus was buried for you. And Jesus rose again. The love and the kindness of God that brings salvation to all men has appeared. The grace of God that brings salvation. Has appeared to all men. Listen. If the grace of God that brings salvation. Did not discriminate. And it appeared to all men. Is it the ability to walk miracles. That will now be discriminated. Is it the ability to work miracles. That will now be selective. The grace of God that brings salvation. Appeared to all men. Is it the ability to produce manifestations. That will now be selective. If Judas, who betrayed Jesus, was still able to cast out devils, right? is it you who is in Christ, who has not denied Jesus, who is in Christ, that will not heal the sick, even in your sleep? I decree and declare... In the name of Jesus. That you are enjoying the manifestations of the spirit. I declare and declare. That out of this message of the gospel. Comes mighty manifestations for you. Mighty miracles for you. By the power of the Holy Ghost. Your hands heal the sick. In the name of Jesus. Your hands produce great exploits. By the power of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Your hands produce miracles. Your hands produce healing your hands produce creativity your hand produces a mighty supply you are enjoying the favor of god never again will you think of yourself as little as weak as beggarly never again will you think of yourself as being broken never again will you think of yourself as not enough jesus has made you enough jesus has made you enough the gospel is enough And thanks be to God, you are in Christ. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you praise. We honor you tonight. We thank you for what Jesus has done. We thank you because the love of God is greater than any manifestation that we can ever talk about. We thank you for your love. We thank you for bringing us into your love. We thank you for bringing us into your love. Never again will your people be timid. Never again will your people be broke. Never again will your people be timid. No one under the sound of my voice will be timid. Lord, we thank you for boldness. 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 To declare the counsel of God. We thank you for boldness. For boldness. For boldness. By the power of the Holy Ghost. God has made you enough. You have wisdom enough. You have creativity enough. You have power enough. You, God has made you blameless. God has made you holy. God has made you righteous. This is the counsel of God. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you praise. Glory to God forever. Thank you for engaging yourself in this episode. We trust that your life has been beautified. If you'd like to share what Jesus is doing in your life through this ministry, please write to us at hellaboutblueprintstories.org. You can visit our website at www.uprincefair.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Blue Church and on Instagram at The Blue Church. Cheers.